think most things in life that are worthwhile aren't that easy. Um, but you can rely on the fact that you'll never be wrong if you empathize because that is just part of what makes us human. Hi there, ooh la la, it's October and it's the month where I have my birthday and I also have the birthday of my loved ones. And if there's something about loved ones that I know, it's that it is way essential to share empathy when you're listening to them and when you're interacting with them. But it was way more interesting when I got in a conversation with Mimi Nicklin and she told me about how that quality is so important even in a corporate organization. Author of best-selling book, Softening the Edge, if you can see it right here, a creative officer, as well as an empathy practitioner, talks to me this month on Curry Connect for October about why empathy needs to be a very essential part of organizations, how you can develop it, and also about how she has managed to write a book in the UAE. Check out the interview for more information and stay tuned for the next one. Lots more coming up. Stay tuned. How did you begin and how did you actually discover empathy within yourself? I've been working in advertising for, for 15 years all around the world. And when I took on this job here in Dubai, um, I found myself in a situation where I needed to turn around a business and actually rebuild a business, the people, the clients, um, all, all of it. Um, and took it as an opportunity to really prove to the world and to myself that you can grow business by putting people uh, beyond profit. The profit will come. This is not about not making money, but it's about how you can really hero um, people ahead of everything else in order to make change. Yeah. Um, so when I arrived in Dubai, that was you know, really what I wanted to do. Although I hadn't totally discovered um, the term or the power of empathy at that stage. In that summer when I got here, I, I write about it in the book actually, I was sitting with a business coach and we were talking about this business strategy to, to turn around everything I was facing and I was talking to her about intuition. And she said to me, Mimi, I want to stop you. What you're calling intuition, have you ever stopped to think that that might be empathy? And I hadn't. Um, and what that one question did was provoke me to go and start really studying empathy. I had been studying culture, human connectivity, those types of things, but I had not been studying empathy specifically. And that led to what has now been over two years of, of studying, of reading. Um, there's quite a lot of academic work going on in empathy in neuroscience and sort of how the neurological pathways in our brain work out of Harvard and Stanford and Oxford. Um, and once I discovered what was going on, once I discovered the empathy gap and how it was impacting the world, um, particularly the world of leadership, but the world at large, it was like I couldn't stop writing. Um, and then my whole life changed because two years later, obviously the books just reached bestseller. And now my whole life is this, you know, I, I run an ad agency still. I have a, a day job that I love, but my, my passion, my purpose, is talking to people like you about empathy and your listeners um, and just having that conversation and, and helping a few more people understand what empathy is and, and why we need more of it. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm glad you're doing it because it's such a noble perspective that has been shared. But tell me in, in short, maybe if I might ask, because you've written a book about this, but I must ask you for our listeners that what is empathy according to you? And you know, why do you think it's so important? Hmm. Empathy at its simplest is about perspective taking. So it's about being able to stand in the shoes of someone else um, and understand their world, see their world, understand their context. 
And there are different forms of empathy, but fundamentally that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to take the perspective of another. And of course, in the working environment, that's an incredibly important thing to be able to do. Um, I talk a lot about the fact that at whatever level you're at, you have value to add. You know, whether you're the CEO of an organization or the entry level graduate, um, everybody has a story, everybody has value. And being able to hear that, um, I believe is one of the most critical skills in, in leadership today. So I think when you look at the context we're living in, particularly in 2020 with obviously with COVID-19 and everything that's happened, there's never been a time when we needed this change more, when we needed leaders and leadership teams to recognize humanity, to recognize that, you know, it's a basic human need to be seen and to be heard. And for many decades, business has been ignoring that. You know, we're seeing 330 million people with depression. We're seeing anxiety through the roof. We're seeing burnout now being coined by the World Health Organization as a, as a, a condition a negative condition, you know, that obviously the working world is, is creating. So we have really big woes in society, um, which of course cannot 100% be tracked only to the empathy deficit, but there's plenty of data showing the correlation. So, you know, really we have problems. I don't know if you've watched um, The Social Dilemma, that new uh, documentary on Netflix. I have uh, sign offs of that, but I'm yet to go about yeah, it. Yeah, you definitely should watch it because it's... Um, it's a phenomenal piece of work, you know, it's, it's really eye-opening. And of course, that documentary is mainly about the impact of technology on our lives, but it also gives you a really interesting perspective of the state of the world. And when you watch that, you sort of maybe realize some of these things that I'm referring to as well, which is just widespread discomfort, mm -hmm. uh, lack of security, lack of connectivity, lack of humanity. Um, so yes, as I said, it's about elevating that discussion and in a working environment, helping leaders understand that there is a financial value and benefit to, to doing so because when you have more empathy, you have higher morale, higher loyalty, lower absenteeism, higher turnover, higher productivity. When people feel heard, they do better. In the book, I talk about speaking to my intern, one of my interns uh, it was last year actually, and asking him, you know, what are your friends doing in terms of their, their jobs or internships? And he said, well, most of them aren't going into the corporate world because they believe they can do it better themselves. And that's, you know, it's a huge problem, um, especially when you factor in the fact that because of the pressure in the workplace, because of the unhappiness and the low morale, we've got 85% of people, according to Deloitte, say they get no joy from their work at all. So people are leaving at the top, people are leaving in the middle, and then the bottom doesn't want to come in because they think, We've got nothing to add. We don't know how to hear them, um, that the older people ruin the world, which is, you know, true in many respects. Um, so I fully understand why these young people don't want to come into the business world, but we have to find a soul for it because the corporate world has many values, you know, and it builds a lot of good and a lot of um, economy for us all to survive within. Um, so what can employers do? Obviously, from my perspective, is create environments where these people feel that they're heard, that they're understood, that their perspective is valued, that they're working in an environment where they feel that they have purpose, that they know why they're coming to work every day beyond, you know, to make money, to, to get their paycheck, which quite frankly isn't enough for many of the younger generations who, who really see themselves as having a wide purpose and want to commit to something bigger in the world. Um, and for employers just to stop seeing people as, you know, human capital, 
I mean, whoever came up with the term with human capital or human resources, it's a disaster, right? For as long as we call people resources, <laughs> you know, it's all downhill. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's time. Organizations need to properly recognize um, humanity in the organizations. And as I said earlier, they'll, they'll thrive from doing so, uh, mm -hmm. but our people will as well. And do you think, do you think empathy is something that can be developed or do you think it's a skill or a trait? No, it's definitely a skill uh, that's been proven by neuroscience. It's something we're born with. Um, so there is a preconception that, oh, maybe it's a trait, like you said, or it's something that women have more of than men. It's not true. We're all born um, with empathy. It sits within the prefrontal cortex in the brain. Um, it's a skill that evolution taught us because fundamentally we're pro-social beings. We do better together. We do better in groups. Um, and that's why it's built into our brain. Um, but it is a skill and you have to choose to activate it. So there are people that activate it more naturally. There are people that activate it more frequently. And there are people that ignore it altogether. <laughs> um, but even those people, the great thing about empathy is that because it sits in, in that part of your brain, simply by making the decision to be more empathetic, you will become more empathetic. Because once you give that instruction to your brain to use that empathy skill that you have because of the neuroplasticity of our brains, which means the ability to sort of mold and flex to instructions, basically, you will start to become more empathetic, which is why I love having this conversation. Because if just one of your listeners <laughs> takes away the thought that perhaps they could be more empathetic in their teams or with their families or yeah. in their church or their sports group or whatever they do in their community, um, we can start to make a change. Something that I say in the book is that you can have comfort that empathizing will never be the wrong thing because we were born to do this. We were born doing this, actually. We unlearn it. Um, there's studies that show infants empathize. We know that human civilization has developed on the back of, in part, on the back of you know, being able to empathize and connect as a group. So it can be quite difficult, right? It can be quite difficult to do many things in life when you actually sit and look at the turmoil around us. It can be quite difficult to leave your house and go back to the office in the middle of a global pandemic, but we find the strength to do it, most of us, right? So I think as with all things in life, nothing, nothing that's really great is ever that easy. And certainly being an empathetic leader, I would argue, is far harder than the opposite. To go to the office, to treat everyone like an army, to not care, to earn your money and go home, that's easy. To go into a team, to connect with everyone as individuals, to care, uh, to put your soul beyond your role a little bit and you know, to listen to people, to actually make a difference is a far more, um, well, it's a far deeper set of skills, right? How do you think traveling helps to you know, connect with the empathetic side of yourself? How do you think mm. cultures and how, does you, how do you think that helps? Such, such a great question. No one's ever asked me that and I love it. Because um, you're right, I did write this book, not all of it, but lots of it on a plane. And when I really wanted to get over the hump of writing the book, I left Dubai and, and um, flew to Singapore and spent uh, four days in Singapore and two days in Indonesia um, in order to write. Because I believe um, very deeply that culture connects us with who we are. And someone on the radio last week actually asked me, do I have any tips for writer's block? And I said a, a very similar thing to them, which is that surrounding yourself with humanity, like real raw humanity is really inspiring for us. So, 
you know, sometimes when you're in sort of the middle of a city surrounded by high rises and, and concrete and those types of things, it can be quite difficult to find that inspiration. So for me, traveling is part of connecting us with who we are. Um, and that's why I've traveled around the world with my job, you know, working with the, the Chinese, the Nigerians, the Indonesians, the Africa, you know, you name it across all these different continents and, and countries because it allows you to understand people better. And I think fundamentally what you realize, which is what much of my book is about, is that there is what I call a commonality to humanity. We're all exactly the same. So we're all very different culturally, visually, uh, from a legacy and and a religion and all these different points of view. We have lots of differences, what we eat, where we live, how we live. But fundamentally, we're all exactly yeah we all want to be seen we all want to be heard we all want to be loved we all want to be safe we all want to grow um and when you realize that i think you can have even more conviction about something you know like the mission i'm on to to go on this empathy journey and and try and bring the world with me a little bit to help us remember that we're all far more similar than we are different yeah yeah how did you write in uae in dubai for uh, this is basically a question for all those hidden writers you know like me as well who are finding it hard to you know start off in dubai how did you start writing in this place and what made you choose this place to begin your authorial journey mm. yeah look i that's two two sort of different questions why i chose dubai was because as i said i've been working around the emerging markets for nearly 15 years um, and in order to complete that really clear sort of career strategy i wanted to work within the arab world um, because i again when you come from a place of empathy it's about understanding people and in 2010 i was in hong kong and I had finished this stint of work I was doing and I had opportunity to go to Africa or to go back to the West. Um, and I made a decision then that I wanted to spend the rest of my career understanding the emerging world, the markets that were moving faster and changing with far more pace and, and interest. Um, and that one day I would be the only person sitting around a boardroom table at a senior level that understood the majority of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's true. I am now, you know, I sit in plenty of huge global meetings where most people know nothing other than America and Europe. Mm. Um, So Dubai was the last stop on that journey um, and to understand Arab culture and and how to work in the Arab world. That's the why. How did I write here um, is a really interesting question because on the whole, I traveled around the city, obviously pre-COVID and found spots as many as I could find in the city where there is, as I said, humanity and movement. So I spent quite a lot of time in uh, Bastikia on that side of the city in the old city. In my experience, writing a book was quite easy. Editing a book is really, really, yeah. really difficult. And I had to do so my... On that, in fact, because that yeah? is important. Yes, please, because that's a very important point, yes. Yeah, and, and so we can talk about it more. I mean, I had to do my, my first major edit at home on lockdown and I hadn't written a single word in my house not one because I had put in my brain that I can only write outside surrounded by people so when I was forced to basically rewrite you know when you're editing you're rewriting bits to do that at home on my own in silence in a lockdown world that was really really tough for me really tough I I had to really dig deep um so yeah, that, that was really interesting part. I mean, obviously I did it, I completed it, but um, 
I hope it never happens again. So what is your advice for the creative of the future? How can they use that? I'm so happy to be here, you know, honored to, to be talking to you all because you wonderful people are the ones that can make the change, right? Your generation are the ones that can come in and demand of the people that were there before you. And we're not about old people, like some of them are like 32, 33, you know, they're still young. Yeah, yeah. But they need your energy. They need the younger generation's energy to to show them how it's done, to show them how things should be. And creativity for me is fundamentally and inextricably linked to empathy. Yeah. Creative that doesn't understand people. I don't know if there's ever been a creative idea that doesn't yeah. understand people. I don't think you can, you know, you can do very average creative work without any human understanding. Yeah. And, and the sad reality is loads of advertising, loads of design out there is really bland because there's no understanding. Um, but yeah, if you are at the beginning of your career and you're a creative person, whether that's art or, you know, filmmaking, music, whatever it is, being able to connect with people is fundamentally the answer to everything. It's the answer to how to get a job. It's the answer to how to do well in your job and how to keep a job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's um, for me, it's a, it's a no brainer. As I said earlier, as human beings, this is what we're meant to do. This is how we grow. Yes. We grow with each other. And um, if you can create those connections between you and the people you're trying to dream with, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a smoother ride to the top. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, then do give us a follow and tune into our next episode as well. If you wish to watch the videos on YouTube, you can check them out at Karishma Connect and give us a follow on Instagram at Karishma Vallate. Thank you again. Take care. See you in the next one.